0: Our personalities is really what people come back for, right? That's right. Um,
1: personalities, uh, m- knowledge of, of basic we- borderline boring shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Sir and exactly Van- Vanderpump rules. Sketchy half commitment to researching women. from history. <laughs> <laughs> aye,
0: aye, aye. We're scholars.
1: We are. We are scholars and um, gentlemen.
0: Yes. Ladies. Ladies. No, we're gentlemen. Mm-hmm. We can be whatever the fuck we want. That's right. I get so aggressive sometimes. No, I like it. Okay, good. I like it. How, that's good. Um, oh, by the way, I'm Lindsay Harbert Silberman. I'm Rebecca Lieb. Welcome to this installment of Lost Boss Bitch. Yes, boss bitch, lost boss bitch. All of the bitches. Mm-hmm. This is when we talk about women in history that we feel like don't get talked about enough. Agreed. Or are talked about in a light that we think is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um. And we're gonna do that, but first we're gonna chat for a minute, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's
1: right. We are doing minutes, official minutes, official minutes. Um, first greeting. <laughs> no. First, sir. Second greeting. greeting. Um, intros. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Current climate. Current climate. Summation of yes. Uh, major topics. Uh huh. And now, uh. Yeah, did we doing? do all that
0: already? I think we did. Okay,
1: good. I think so, so do you want to just get into it? We could just get into it. I'm down, I'm down for that too. Because you guys, do you care? Anybody? Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. Okay.
0: Jeez. <laughs> do you want to start? Or do we? Do, you, do we? Do we want to start? Uh, we should start. Yes. I'm I, fine to start though. If you do want. it. Okay. Go for it. All right,
1: y'all. So this week, I just burped away from the mic. I'm a lady. <laughs> Um, I have Laura Ingalls Wilder yes! because uh, she's from Wisconsin where I'm from. Is she really? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. We were big into her. I dressed up as her a bunch for school. <laughs> like You know when you had like a wax museum or like a school thing where you, we learned a lot. I, I learned so much about her. Like living being... history
0: situations? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Like being in the public school system, they're like, all right, uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder, prairie. Just, uh, just
0: before frontier. we start our standardized
1: tests. Exactly. I had a patchy education, I would say. Um, but I did <laughs> learn how to make molasses candy. Oh my god. Will you teach me? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. All we need is snow. Oh well. <laughs> That's how they did it. Okay. Well, we don't have
0: that. That's but all right. we'll figure it out. We're gonna figure it out. Yeah. We can
1: make some venison too. Oh,
0: Okay. That's
1: true. We did a lot of like home types of things with this, with Lauren Ingalls Wilder.
0: That makes me very happy.
1: All mm-hmm. those things. Exactly. All right. So let me tell you guys about her if you didn't go to a mediocre Wisconsin public <laughs> school like I did. Uh, so she was born on February 7th, 1867, uh, seven, seven miles north of the village of uh, Pepin in Wisconsin, big woods region, kind of uh, middle of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the second of five children. Uh, so many
0: kids back then. I know. Just popping them it out. It was like
1: a litter of babies and like someone died. You know, you'd always hear about like them dying. Yeah. Like a litter. You yeah. know? You know, there's always one or two. Exactly. You've got to take accountability of a couple of them passing. Getting that you know, dysentery.
0: There you go. I was looking for that word.
1: <laughs> the Oregon Trail. We learned yeah. a lot about the Frontier from Oregon Trail. Yes. Too. So it all works hand in hand. Um, so. She, uh, she was an author. Uh, she was also a de- descendant of the Delano family, uh, like Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Oh, Felino. so I did
0: not realize that Delano was another family. I thought that was just a middle name.
1: Yeah, it was like a nice, like you know. I feel like that happens a lot in Central America too, mm-hmm. where you get like a bunch of names, myself yeah. included. My mom's. Maiden name, which I hate that word, but whatever, is my my middle name.
0: What's your middle name? Mendelssohn I had no idea your middle <laughs> name was Mendelssohn Yeah, my
1: brothers also have the same middle name. Oh, so, that's
0: great. Yeah,
1: it's kind of more fun than like
0: a Rose or Anne. <laughs> oh, was that you? Yeah. Well, I I it my Harbert is now my middle name. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anne was my middle name. Yeah. The most so you were like, I'm okay striking Anne. I'm yeah. <laughs> okay like, with getting rid of. See ya, Anne. <laughs> The blandest (laughs) middle name you could possibly have. have Just in front of
1: Marie. (laughs) Marie. I also like (laughs) Lynn when people have the middle name Lynn. Mm -hmm. Because they're like, if I go into showbiz, I'll just be. Like Stephanie Lynn. Oh. <laughs>
0: just, <what>? Of course <laughs> who's her name's going Stephanie. To, who's going to showbiz? And who's planning their name when they go into showbiz? <laughs> I, I know.
1: As if that would make more sense Right, than just using your normal ass last name. Yeah. I don't know. I'm so not a fan of like f- fake names. No. Like think of a fake name. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm also profoundly lazy, so. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm not, not going to answer to anything by what you've been calling me my whole life. Exactly.
1: Even if I wanted to and they were like, Melanie, Melanie Swanson or something. I'd be like, "Huh? What? Oh, <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's that, that me. me. That
0: ain't me." And they're like, "Whose coffee is this?" <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> Even after I got married, because I did take my husband's last name, like a you know, like an old old timey lady. No, use um, that Semitic last right? name. Right? Like, oh, I want to sound Jewish. <laughs> um, I sign up for things and. I will forget if I signed up as Harbert or Silberman. Mm. So say I go to the doctor's office and I say I'm Lindsay Silberman. And they're like, I'm sorry, we don't have. I'm like, oh, well, then it's probably Lindsay Harbert. Mm -hmm. They're like, who are you? Why are you using? Con artist in our office.
1: That's me. That's me.
0: Okay. Anyway, Laura Ingalls Wilder. That's right. That's
1: right. So she moved with uh, her family from Wisconsin in 1869 and when she was two years old, they stopped in Missouri, settled in Kansas. This is a huge theme. She moves everywhere and it's really the basis. Her books really follow her trajectory for the most part. Okay. like, talk about using your life as art. Um, so her younger sister Carrie was born there and they, ha- yeah, so they just amassed children. Um, Wilder, like, in later years, her father had been told that the location was to be open to white settlers, but he was incorrect. They were actually just on uh, Osage Indian Reservation and had no legal right to occupy it. Whoops. So starting off their move right. Um, so then they had to get, get out of there. Um, so they moved back to Wisconsin where they lived for the next three years. And that's kind of where the little house in the big woods and little house in the prairie starts. Um, according to a letter from her daughter, Rose Wilder Lane, to a biographer uh, that wilder had to change her age because it seemed unrealistic she was three at the time and she remembered stuff so really they were like they're like we gotta like skew this because it doesn't seem realistic for a three-year-old to remember all this moving shit and like weird sibling things yeah so that's the only thing that's kind of different the age range like skews or whatever so for all you little house on the prairie heads um just know that
0: they're out she there knows that. my friend lee is obsessed with little house on the prairie to this day amazing yeah
1: um, so then they moved to Minnesota and settled in literally what they call it a dugout, what? Um, which I think is just like a little dirt divot. <laughs> uh huh. And so she was lived there while she was like six and seven. Um, so Wait, she
0: lived in like a a ditch. They like made it. They would like
1: make cabins and like living spaces in these. Like when when I say that they keep moving around, it's like just spaces in the land. And then they just put a roof on it and they're like,
0: we're gonna live here now. Exactly. Okay,
1: that would be nice actually. I know, it's like the times where you're like, okay, is there a water source close by? Well, home. This is it. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Um, So her young and only brother uh, was born to her family after they moved again to South Troy, Minnesota. And then they moved to Iowa um, to open a hotel and then another kid was born. Wow. So they keep moving, they keep having children. Um this is most of what this is. Uh the family moved again to uh Walnut Grove and her dad was a butcher and justice of the peace, just taking a bunch of jobs. Seriously like mm-hmm. this guy was just like I'm going to try everything. Yeah, he's like I'm going to go everywhere and try everything. Okay. Yeah.
0: I guess that's not a whole very different from what people do now.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I mean Again, it's just like you get there, and it's like, well, this is our plot of land, so I guess we're going to use this time to try to build a house, and then we're going to move immediately after. I don't know. If I had to build a house
0: everywhere I go, I would probably settle down pretty fast.
1: Yeah. That's true. Um, These people loved it, though. Yeah. They, They dug it. So they moved around a bunch. She went to the Dakota Territory. Um, on December 10th, 1882, two months before her 16th birthday, she accepted her first teaching position. <laughs> um, she Wait, him, like, how a, old was she? She was 15 years old. What? Yeah. So wow. She's, okay. Like, I hope she's teaching younger. They don't say exactly what age, but she taught in a one-room schoolhouse while she was finally attending school um, in the Dakota area. Um, and that's where she kind of, like, learned how to write and learned, like, her appreciation for the language Um, and again, like opportunities were very limited. So she didn't think that anything would come to it, but she really like enjoyed writing and reading, et cetera. So between 1883 and 1885, she taught three terms of school, worked for a local dressmaker and attended high school herself, though she did not graduate. Um, so then in 1885, she married Almanzo Wilder. So she was Ingalls. Now she's Ingalls Wilder, Mm. whose nickname was Manly jealous all right mm-hmm. you get you get your manly man mm-hmm. um wilder was 18 he was 28 older wow man, 10 years that's right? quite a gap i know especially... and he's like
0: five years from death in that time <laughs> no so. it's like
1: whoa <laughs> yeah TikTok, dude seriously <laughs> uh so she he had achieved a degree of prosperity and like had some money um, and she joined him in a new home pretty close to there but again not living with her family not Uh, moving around too much. She gave birth to her daughter, Rose Wilder, in 1889 and a son a little while later who died. Again, babies, having them. Litter. They die. Uh, New babies, moving. Right. More and more. Dysentery. (laughs) Dysentery. You broke your axle. Good night. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then things kind of uh, got a little harder for them. Complications from a life-threatening bout of diphtheria. Oh, Uh, there's another one. Dysentery, diphtheria, close. I don't know. Uh, so her husband was partially paralyzed. He kind of uh regained some of his like motor skills, but he was always uh wasn't able to work that much. So oh, that sucks. That put a lot of stress on her, um, and kind of made her more um active in farming in the land that they had. So that also kind of helped with her writing career too. So then they moved uh to Westville, Florida to Find a climate to improve uh, her husband's health. Mm-hmm. But uh, they did not like that area. So they moved back to Missouri. <laughs> this is, it- is just a map. I'm literally just like drawing a map for you guys. Like, I don't.
0: But it's like, mm-hmm. let's move to a temperate region where life might feel a little mm-hmm. bit easier. Yeah. No, we hate this. Let's go back to cold, cold exactly. winters and hard let's living.
1: Go somewhere, const- painstakingly construct a house and then leave it. Yeah. Eh? uh, Never mind. Why don't they find another house? It's kind of like refrigerators in LA. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, why don't they all just, why don't we all just keep our refrigerators in the units, not move them around, and then just- It is one of the stupidest
0: things about renting in LA. What are we doing here? I've actually never, okay, little, this is a huge digression. (gasps) Lindsay fact. (laughs) I've never had to have a, like, there's always been a refrigerator in my unit. Wow. Yeah. You are lucky. lucky. You are lucky. But I've lived in- 10 places in Los Angeles. Damn. Yeah. So. Wow. I got real lucky 10 times. You did. Yeah. You did.
1: That's amazing. I, well, half and half, I would say. Okay. Um, But it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Absolutely. And no one wants to do it. So why? 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 So this is where it gets, this is where her writing career picks up. So they moved to Missouri. She started a place called Rocky Ridge Farm. And again, she was doing most of the farming. Um, Her husband did a little bit of like chopping firewood and such, but she- uh made the whole place kind of an apple orchard, Wow um she yeah, she produced things, and she was active in a lot of clubs and advocate for several farming associations. She was recognized as an authority in poultry farming and rural living. um and so she started speaking to groups around town, um, which began her weekly article in the Missouri Ruralist in nineteen eleven. Um, And so she would have this column and it was a really personal column, which again, it's like, is this the first time? I didn't look too much into this because why would I? But like, That's not what we do here. We don't look into things. We read things Mm -hmm. and talk about them. Yes. In the moment. Um, So she took a paid position with the Farm Loan Association and would dispense small farm loans to farmers and she would write this weekly column about her life. Uh, There was one... um, like where she would talk about going to San Francisco for a weekend. Ooh, Nice. Mm-hmm. And the column was called as a farm woman thinks.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Right. And her biggest fans were uh, rural Ozark people who like <laughs> loved her column. Um, so she would really like, she started getting a following. She was really knowledgeable in farming. Um, and according to Professor John E. Miller, after more than a decade of writing for Farm Papers, Wilder had become a disciplined writer, able to produce thoughtful, readable prose for general audience. Sensible. Yeah, makes mm-hmm. sense. And uh, her daughter, too, was really important in this. Uh, that she helps her publish two articles describing the interior of the farmhouse. She kind of, like, diversified her writing skills a bit. And then around this time, um, her daughter was like, why don't you write a book and she was like, whatever
0: would I write about? <laughs> <laughs> my super interesting life of moving across uh-huh. the country several times?
1: Exactly. Why? And and she was like, well, maybe I'll write about uh, my cottage. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> okay, write sure. about your cottage. So uh, she was like not super into maybe going into that route. But the stock market crash of 1929 wiped the Wilders out, um. all their investments. Um, they still owed all this land. So uh, she wrote a book. She wrote a book. Um called Pioneer Girl um, in 1928. And she was hoping, like desperately hoping, that it would uh, generate some additional income. Um, So uh, she expanded the book on the advice of her publisher and uh, Harper and Brothers, which I believe became HarperCollins. I'm not sure. That Um, would make sense. Snapped it up. Um, They... They published it, and it was a it was a hit. Wow! And her daughter again had a lot to do with it. A lot of people think that her daughter almost wrote the books for her, or mm-hmm. maybe her author. I mean, this is something that I think women have happened to them a lot, where they're like, "This woman couldn't possibly write this book alone. Right? She must have had help. She must be a man." And because she's just a
0: stupid woman,
1: right? Come the fuck on! Um, so then she kept uh, writing these books. They had a ton of appeal. Um, she made a ton of money. Her family was totally set. Uh, she, they were, she wrote at least, at least as far as people, like, 12 books. Wow, Um, I didn't realize there were that many. Yeah, I don't think they're all in the series Mm -hmm. of, uh, that, but she, she kept writing and she really, like, made a name for herself and her estate is very respected and they invested it really properly and, again, her daughter helped with this, which is great. Um, so... They, um, from 1935 on, Wilder and her husband were alone at their farm. Most of the surrounding area was sold, and they still kept some animals. They didn't have to farm as much. um, And people would come visit them, too, because they were like, we live here. (laughs) So they'd have, like, these, like, train of guests going to uh, see... Laura Ingalls wilder and That's like, a
0: dream. I know, right? Just like, re- this is my farm. If you want to come see me, come see me. Right? It's yeah. like,
1: nothing got creepy, according to what I read. So yeah. it wasn't like some weird stalker. It was a different time. Right. It was definitely a different time. Her husband, though, he died at 92. What? Yeah, in 1949. I thought you were
0: going to say her husband just keeled over in the middle of her career or something. But no, he lived to a ripe old age. He
1: did. He did. And she lived for the next eight years alone in the farm, had visitors, Hung out, um, active correspondence with her fans. She would always write her fans back instead. Oh, I love her. Right? Um, so in 1956, she was 89 and she was really ill from undiagnosed diabetes and cardiac issues, hospitalized, and she died peacefully wow. in a hospital close to her home. So she's buried in Missouri. Um, their daughter kind of continued uh, the legacy until her death in 1968. Which is not too that's, much further. Nah. Yeah, that's pretty close. So she had a, a bit of a bit of time after that, but not much. Um, and it's still an enduring group of books. There's a fight happening yeah, outside of our, outside. our podcast. <laughs> Probably people
0: trying to visit us. Probably they're just like, See, no, you can't. They're recording they're right they're
1: now. In there, they're in there. I can tell. <laughs> you going first? You going first? No, you. Mm-hmm. You guys can both go in first.
0: Yeah. Or We won't hurt you. Uh huh. So that's Laura Engels Wilder. I love it. Hello. I did not, I knew very little about her. Mm-hmm. In the. so I never read the books, but in the series, she was the little one, right? Yeah. She it's was from the youngest, her perspective. Or no,
1: she has a younger sister in the book.
0: Does she? Yeah. But so, it is
1: from her perspective.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe she does have a younger sister. And anyway, love yeah, that show.
1: Totally. Show is great. Yeah. Um, real fun.
0: Mm-hmm. It's all
1: real fun. It's all like being like, a tween and a teen in a totally mm-hmm. different time. Yeah, I was like, "What? What is? What do you do when you like a boy? Oh,
0: <laughs> you act weird too. Oh, oh my cool. god!
1: Yeah, <laughs> how do you make wool into yarn?
0: <laughs> oh, oh, I'll never do that. Awesome, <laughs> <So> crazy. <laughs> um, so this happens so often, but my lady is in a similar time period, yes. and she's also a writer. So crazy. It's like we're connected. Yeah, I know. So I'm doing Martha Gellhorn. Mm. Um, Who that? She was a writer, war correspondent, travel writer. She was most famous as being Ernest Hemingway's wife,
1: uh-huh. which we will get to. That sounds like it must have been
0: fun. Right? <laughs> Guess where she met him? He West, Florida in a bar. Oh, no shit. What do you
1: know? 14 <laughs> cats with multiple toes yes. attached to him. She was like, this is my dude. This is my guy. Right.
0: He smells faintly of liquor. <laughs> So Martha Gelhorn was born in St. Louis, Missouri, Missouri, Missouri. Missouri-centric, right? Mm-hmm. On November eighth, nineteen o eight, she was the daughter of Edna Fischel Gelhorn, a suffragist like hmm. you do, and George Gelhorn, who was a German-born gynecologist, which you don't hear about much, yeah, especially of German birth, right? <laughs> For some reason, I'm just imagining him putting like giant gloves on and just flying into that me. vagina. Yeah. Um. So her father and maternal grandmother were Jewish, but her mother and grandmother came from a Protestant family, so she's not technically Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um. They were a very, very accomplished family. Her brother Walter became uh, became a noted law professor at Columbia University. I've heard of it
1: not, not Columbia
0: College. <laughs> no, <laughs> not to be confused. I I wanted to go to Columbia College so badly. Yeah. I um, live close to there, but everyone's like this is not Columbia University. It's Columbia not the college. same. <laughs> um her younger brother Alfred, uh he became an oncologist and he was the dean of the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. Damn. So these these people really These people didn't drink ever clear like water. Right. In college. <laughs> Definitely mm. not. They did not Mm -hmm. chug it or almost light themselves on fire several times. Nice. Um, So uh, just a little tidbit, at the 1916 National Democratic Convention in St. Louis, uh, let me preface this by saying her family was very politically active, Mm -hmm. obviously, because her mom was a suffragist. Um, But the Golden Lane represented thousands of women, and they carried yellow parasols and wore yellow sashes lined both sides leading. Oh, they lined both sides of the, like, Walk to the coliseum mm-hmm. um, and let's see, oh, so they kind of represented the women dressed in black represented the states that had not. Enfranchised women. Mm-hmm. And in the front row were two little girls, and one of them was Martha Gellhorn, and they represented future voters. Aww. So from a young age, she was like, Yes, I am woman. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get some shit done. It's amazing. Um, she attended Bryn Mawr College in Philadelphia, but mm-hmm. she dropped out in 1927 because she wanted to pursue journalism and didn't want to waste her time getting an education. I love that. You're like, I don't need this. Fuck I don't this. need this. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Um, so she wrote for the New Republic. But she soon after moved to Paris um, and she worked for various publications there, one of which uh, was the United Press. No, she joined the United Press Bureau um, and became a foreign correspondent. So she um, eventually moved back to the United States after working in Paris for a while and um, she was hired as an investigator for the Federal Emergency Relief Administration. Whoa! Um, and sh- they sent her around the country to write about the impact of the Depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and her writing caught the eye of Eleanor Roosevelt, who oh. was our was my first lost boss. Bitch. That's right. Right. Um, was mine? I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to go back. <laughs> We're th- the worst guys. We're Oof. the worst. We don't remember Wolf-fish things. Brain. Um, they became friends for life, which i feel like eleanor roosevelt did that. Mm-hmm. she was like, i like you. you're mm-hmm. going to be my friend forever. um so gelhorn ultimately turned what she had like written about and what she learned um and witnessed about the depression into her first work of fiction, which was called the trouble i've seen, mm. and it was published in 1936. Um, in the same year that book was published, she met good old Ernie, mm-hmm. Ernest Hemingway. Like I said, she met him in a bar <laughs> in Key West, Florida. Of course. Where lasting Love usually starts. Uh-huh, that's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Key West baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I've still never been, but I'd love to go and get drunk there one day. Oh, uh, let's do
1: it. let Actually, my uncle has a place in Miami. Really? I used to go. We used All to drive right. around the Keys. Let's go. Let's fucking... Trace Hemingway's steps into oh, that alcoholic would be... oblivion. Yes!
0: <laughs> dreams, guys. We have them. Uh, <laughs> these are our dreams. These are our dreams, you're hearing them in real time. Yes, exactly. Um, so she met him, they hit it off, fell in love, and within months she was traveling with him to Spain to cover the rise of fascism, mm. like you do in the honeymoon phase. God damn. Um, and the Spanish Civil War for Collier's Weekly. Um, mm-hmm. and in nineteen forty Hemingway and Gellhorn were married uh and he dedicated his Spanish Civil war novel for whom the bell tolls um, mm. to her damn, but uh she resented the fact that um her reflective fate her she was most famous for being his wife. Like yeah, that I, sucks. like I said, mm-hmm. um, she remarked that she had no intention of "quote unquote" being a footnote in someone else's life. Yes, um, and Woo. as a condition for granting any in, any interviews. Um, She insisted that his name not be mentioned. Yes. And uh, she put it once, quote, I've been a writer for over 40 years. I was a writer before I met him. I was a writer after I left him. Why should I merely be a footnote in his life? Hell yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Love it. Love it. So while they were married, she had an affair with a US paratrooper Mm -hmm. named Major General James M. Gavin. Mm -hmm. Um, He was the... Commanding General of the 82nd Airborne Division. Sounds hot, super
1: hot. <laughs> Just like, well, Hemingway's passed out. She can like go. Like, I'm gonna go
0: fuck this paratrooper with some
1: fit ass, right? Hot sounding paratrooper, James and Gav- Gavin. I'm not advocating for adultery, but like, holy shit, Ernest Seriously. Hemingway.
0: You know that he was drunk most of the time and probably not the most uh, responsive lover. Yeah, exactly. She I had mean, to go get hers. She gotta. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so he was the youngest divisional commander in the U.S. Army. Sexy, Ooh. sexy,
1: sexy. <laughs> I know. Woo! Hot <laughs> Guys, here.
0: this is wow. ridiculous. We're, like, getting real Ugh. real bothered by it. Can you find it. some pants? Talking about oh, a world oh, war.
1: put the pics on the Instagram?
0: <laughs> um, so... Uh yeah, here in the US Army in World War II. Mm-hmm. Um she soon went to Western Europe to cover World War II. Mm-hmm. And in 1994, she allegedly stowed away in a hospital ship to report on the D-Day landings. Damn. Badass motherfucker. Damn. Um the next year she entered Dachau, which is a concentration camp in Germany. That mm-hmm. fun Lindsay fact that I always have to say, I went to this past December when mm-hmm. I was there. Super depressing. Damn. Yeah. As, um, as you imagine. But they American troops liberated um, Dakow the same year um, that wow. she and Ernest Hemingway split up. Wow. So her harrowing account was a landmark piece of journalism, as it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so between marriages and after divorcing Hemingway in 1945, she had romantic liaisons with L, also known as Lawrence a Fucking Feller. God damn! It's like. That pussy can't right? be
1: ignored by the leading people of the United States. No the time. ma'am. No ma'am. Uh-huh. Um and
0: in 1954 she married the former managing editor of Time magazine, T. S. Matthews.
1: Is there some dude in the basement where she's like, he's like, I can make you happy? And she's like, no. no. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> no this
0: thanks. is not gonna work if for you. You work more. in a mail room, I'm not interested. Seriously. <laughs> I've got I've got some major, uh-huh. some major dudes to score. Yeah. Um, So they moved to London, and that was the home for the rest of her life, but they divorced in 1963. Mm -hmm. Um, In 1966, she covered the war in Vietnam. Don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, I think I have. Uh, She found it supremely disturbing and horrific, Yeah, full of victims on both sides of the battle lines.
1: Wow, the things this woman has seen. So much
0: shit. Um, DACA, Vietnam,
1: Hemingway's whiskey dick. Yeah.
0: (laughs) No. Hemingway's <laughs> whiskey dick <laughs> is my favorite phrase that's ever been said. That's the best. Oh, um, this
1: poor lady, she is a hero. She
0: is a hero. Um so in the 80s she ex- she continued to travel extensively. Um she wrote about wars in El Salvador and Nicaragua mm-hmm. and the US invasion of Panama. Mm-hmm. And in the mid 90s she went to Brazil to write about the street children there.
1: Damn. So she's
0: pretty much seen Horrors that the world could offer, exactly, in her life. Um, God. so her Brazil writings would be her last significant article before her death. Um, so she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and then it eventually mm-hmm. spread to her liver. God, and she was not about that life, so she popped a cyanide pill and killed herself in
1: 1998. God damn, badass is all hell. Yeah, Holy she, shit, she's like,
0: I'm not doing this, I'm yeah. done. Bye, wow, yeah, amazing, yeah. She's like, a real... She's a pioneer in,
1: like, every way possible. Seriously.
0: And I loved that it's unfortunate because she still is... I feel like I knew her as a footnote in Hemingway's life. Mm-hmm. Um, But I love that at the time and, you know, after she'd had such an extensive, extensive career, she's like, no, fuck, I'm not going to talk about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was married to this guy who's a well-known writer, but I should be a well-known writer, too. Look at all the shit I've done.
1: Yeah, I mean... It- I think about like the fear at that time of like not having the protection, but she grew up like that too. Yeah, like she—that's really inspiring. Yeah, and she fucking everything on her own goddamn terms. Yep, you know everything. Yep. Ah, so Martha Gellhorn, everyone. Martha Gellhorn, I love it.
0: Yeah, I couple love of it. Uh, awesome women writers this go round.
1: That's right. That's right. A very different perspectives. Very different experiences, and, and here we are today. Yeah. Talking about them.
0: Absolutely. Hmm.
1: So that'll do it, guys. I, that's going to do it for us. That's going
0: to do it for us. We hope you enjoyed this installment of uh-huh. Lost Boss If you
1: didn't, you know, we'll do better next time.
0: We probably won't, but <laughs> we'll you can, we can hope. Tune in next week. We've got a great, great interview, and uh, we'll just keep it coming. Keep
1: them coming. Yeah. You are welcome. Bye. Bye.